Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to a brand new Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. And we're back again at the Association for Federal Enterprise Risk Management Conference here at the Reagan Building. This is I don't know how many episodes in a row we've done here now. It this is, is great. It is rocking even after lunch. Right. Yeah, right. People tend to start moving a little more slowly after lunch. Not at a firm. No. They are uh, ready to go for another six hours. I think, as your kids would say, it's popping. Popping. I'll, yeah. I'll confirm that later. Thank you very much. Um, of course, everybody's talking about risk management. The chief risk officer at the Internal Revenue Service, Tom Brandt, is here. It's great to see you again, Tom. Thanks nice for to be coming here. Back. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. Tell me what risk management looks like at an organization like the IRS. Right. Well, I think the most important point is that we're not doing risk management just for the sake of doing risk management. We're doing that really, I think, to enable the you know greater success of our mission, uh, to really understand what it is we need to do to accomplish our objectives and figure out too kind of where are things that you know could go wrong and get an advance warning kind of on that right so you can put in place the mitigation or steps to kind of increase the likelihood of the objectives being delivered and us being actually successful in achieving the mission of the agency I'm always trying to avoid the risk that the IRS comes after me <laughs> right tell me what what is the IRS worried about coming after it you know, the challenging environment that we've been working in right now is just around the budget process. Uh, and, you know, we were talking earlier today around just the, the, the broken budget process, I think, overall, and the impact that that has on an ability to manage risk in the longer term. Because when you're dealing with uncertainty in the budget, it really makes it a challenge to put in place long-term strategies and particularly apply resources over a long period to addressing systemic risk. And I think that's something not just affecting the IRS, but government overall, some of the instability and uncertainty around the budget process. And then the amount of time that we also have to spend you know, preparing for potential you know, budget challenges and budget issues. Mm-hmm. So he answered a humorous question with a somber answer. <laughs> it's, but I mean, the way you deploy resources is yes. really risk-based, right? Yes. Uh, but you're limited, and that should help you maximize resources, but you're limited in doing that with even declining resources and delayed resources. Yeah, I mean, part of that is just looking at the scale and scope of what it is we're tasked with accomplishing. And, you know, each year there are new requirements that the IRS is asked to implement, and that doesn't typically come along with new resources. So you have to make those choices around, well, if we're going to implement these legislative requirements, where are we going to get those resources from? You know, with tax reform, you know, Congress did provide IRS with an additional appropriation that we were able to use to implement tax reform, but that is somewhat unique. We typically don't get additional resources to implement new programs. We have to figure out where are we going to, you know, get those resources from. And then part of that is that risk-based decision. Kind of what's the level of risk we're willing to accept in certain areas in order to shift resources or shift people. So the declining resources issue is something the IRS has been dealing with for I don't know how long, a decade maybe at this point that your budget has declined overall. This would be the first year if the plans that we're seeing in Congress, if one of them turns out to be the right thing, that you've gotten an increase. What would you expect to see the agency do with some of that extra money, particularly related to ERM? Yeah, well, so our what needs... What would you like to see? <laughs> right? Well, I think, again, organizationally, we use the results of our risk assessment process to identify what are those most significant risks to the agency, and then kind of what are our mitigation strategies and approaches we can put into place 
And in some areas, we, you know, we're not able to do as much as we'd like because of those constraints and resources. So part of this is if we're able to get additional resource allocations, there are a list of, of needs and priorities and investments that the IRS has wanted to make over the last decade as our budget has shrunk, where we'll be able to apply those resources. So that's, that sounds like, though, that's directed toward mission areas. And I'm thinking somewhere in that plus up, there should be a little bit of an extra boost just for you and your team to mature or to make your uh, risk management organization more robust. Yeah. What would that look like? Well, we've, act, you know, we've intentionally kept our organization really uh, light and agile and I think reduced, and I shouldn't say reduced, but kept staffing low. But what we've done is we've leveraged resources throughout the organization. I think if we were able to get maybe some additional budget where we would want to you know, focus is, again, providing some additional training and expertise and maybe branching out into some other tools and technologies. A lot of the approach we take right now is manually driven because we haven't had the resources, for example, to invest in technology. And so that might be an area where we might do a little bit more. But we've had greater technology needs to support the overall business program of the IRS. And so we've, you know, intentionally not, you know, not use those resources to support our efforts to date. That's a theme we've heard, right? An agile team, but uh, deployed throughout the organization. Mm -hmm. You've got an enormous amount of data on virtually every American. Uh, my friends in the evaluation and statistics community are envious. Can you talk about how you tap that uh, to do your risk perform your risk management function? Yeah, so I do want to draw a distinction between sort of the work the agency does around compliance risk, which and which that, you know, information that is, you know, com collected with regards to tax returns and the, and the population and economic trends, that's really used to help inform, you know, I think our understanding and priorities around compliance risk and where do we see across sort of the tax ecosystem, right, or tax system, where do we see potential areas of non-compliance growing and where do we see that improving and then use that information to kind of shift our enforcement or compliance approach. But within the ERM framework, you know, we're looking across the whole range of activities that the IRS undertakes, both our, you know, forward-facing sort of service interactions with the public, as well as those operations that are sort of supporting the, the function of, functions and operations of the agency itself. So in that instance, we do tap data, but it's probably a different type of data. We're not necessarily looking at the taxpayer information in our ERM program. That data would feed more into assessments of compliance risk. So talk about your biggest risk. What are, what are your biggest risks, if you can share those? Well, so interestingly enough, um, and probably not surprising, is the, is the issue right now around the, the budget um, and the, the continuing challenge that, that causes for the IRS. And, you know, we've been in this position for some period of time, but certainly last year we went through the, the significant government shutdown. Um, the amount of time that that, you know, that, that that took away from our ability to deliver our programs, you know, that actually created new risk. Um, and so that's something that's had, I think, longer term effects. And then as we try to plan for next year, taking into consideration what's the potential for, you know, hopefully not another shutdown. But if we do, you know, have CRs that extend further and further into the year, that again, constrains our ability to make those decisions that, you know, around how we're going to deploy resources for the full year because it's uncertain kind of what amount we'll ultimately, you know, receive through that process. Another theme of the conversations we've had on the program since we've been here and that I'm hearing in the hallways and in the sessions is the creation of a risk-aware culture. That term is one that I wasn't familiar with, I think, before today. What does that mean in the context of what you're trying to do at IRS? 
Well, part of that is helping, I think, and, and, and helping everybody understand that they each have a role in making this work. Um, that's it, everybody, not just risk management people. Every employee in the organization has a role. Um, if it's only you know the folks in the ERM office or the folks in some operation that everybody views as managing risk, that's not going to work because the risk is, can happen or can, you know can occur in any part of the organization. So you need every employee, every manager, you know, to be attuned to and paying attention to risk. And then, more importantly, if they see something to raise their hand or to speak to the manager or to reach out to my office and say, you know what, there's something that might could go wrong, you know, something that we have some concerns about and we want to share it and give you the opportunity to do something about it. And, you know, I think fortunately for us, we've had really strong leadership at the IRS with our former commissioner, John Koskinen, and our current commissioner, Chuck Reddick, who have both you know, I think tried to, to make that message clear in every town hall that they have in every meeting with managers and employees that everybody needs to see themselves as a risk manager. If you're using a scale of one to 10, one means we're not very good at that right now and 10 means we've really nailed it. Where do you think the agency is overall on that risk culture creation? Yeah, so I think, you know, we actually were probably implementing ERM back in 2014. I think we were probably at a three. I think now, you know, six years later, I think we're probably around a seven. Uh, and part of that is just because the level of understanding and awareness across the organization, the number of times that you know different parts of the organization, employees and managers will reach out to me because they've heard something, they've seen something, uh, just the inputs we're getting through risk channels and our risk registers, you know, I think it's coming up much more naturally. Initially, probably more of it was kind of a push, um, and so now we're, I think it's more, you know, I think naturally just coming up through the decision-making processes, conversations, you know, people are just more attuned to, to the consideration and discussion of risk. I've heard some of them in what you've said today, but what best practices have you shared or would you share with attendees at a firm today that you think they ought to adopt to help accelerate their maturing, their uh, enterprise risk management. Right. So I did, you know, have an opportunity through a couple of the sessions to share some approaches that, you know, we've taken at IRS and also in my role as president of a firm, uh, what we've seen across, I think, agencies. One of the most important uh, factors is that ERM won't be successful if it is just a headquarters function. You've got to engage the entire organization. So you've got to designate sort of risk champions in each part of the organization and they have to have a stake in the game, right? Because if it's, if again, if it's set up at that headquarters level, it's just going to be viewed as something somebody else is doing. And, you know, they'll tell me when I need to do something and then when they're done, I can get back to work, right? Well, risk should be part of your day-to-day, -day, you know, business, your day-to-day -day operation. So I think that's one. The other factor here is around transparency. Um, we are identifying risks not to, you know, take them and then put them in a corner but we're actually doing that to take it and share it and, and include and engage stakeholders in other parts of the organization who may actually have the expertise, the knowledge, the resources, the connections that can help us really manage and I think mitigate and address those risks. We just have a couple of minutes left. You alluded to your leadership of the organization putting this on and yeah. this has been a terrific event. So congratulations oh, to your team you. for that. Um, what are you hearing from your peers, from your fellow members about the biggest roadblocks, challenges that they're having in getting to the to the place where you're telling them they should go, yeah. suggesting they should go. Well, I think again, it, you know, ERM is still relatively new in the federal government overall. It's been, a, I know, a few years since OMB's uh, updated the circular A123 and, and set that Shout requirement in place. Right? Again. Um, that got agencies to, you know, begin, you know, taking the steps to get there, but. 
that point of getting the whole organization engaged and involved in a time where there's so much else going on, um, it's you got to make that business case. And so part of it is there's just an evolution and the maturity. So initially you got to put the foundation in place. Once you get the foundation in place, then you can grow from there. We also do need top leadership leadership support, and we need the whole community involved. So it can't just be the agencies doing this. We got to have OMB involved, and we ultimately have to have Congress involved as well. They need to be asking agencies not only what your risks are, but then using that information as they're making, you know, the budget decisions for the federal government. So circular A123 could be one thing in the FedHead's drinking game. Yes. And we could also do commission on evidence-based policy making as yes, the other one of course. and then people would just be hammered when they I think you'd have to, to listen uh, to the it'd to be the a double show. shot it'd be a double shot for the commission yeah, I don't know if you want to add the data act in there too but that comes up a lot <laughs> it's great to hear from you Tom about the application of this program to a really important government function how we collect the government's revenue that funds its program Tom thanks for coming on we appreciate it okay great thanks glad to be here Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. 